Hi, listeners. It's Jana. Welcome to Grief Out Loud. Today, we're hosting another episode from our guest podcast, Who Died?, which is written and produced by Amy Craig. And in today's conversation, Amy speaks with Brandy Maxwell about her mom. Hope you enjoy their conversation, and please join us again next time for another episode of Grief Out Loud. Anybody that knows my mom, this story is not surprising. Um, it's the typical, you know, when the kids are being really quiet, they're up to something. Mm-hmm. I'm talking here to Brandy Maxwell. We went to junior high and high school together in Maple Valley, Washington. She now lives in Omaha, Nebraska, hence the phone recording. And by the way, she says Omaha is really cool. And so my mom was the oldest by a few years. But she was probably, I think, in this story, three or four. And so her middle sister was born by then, but I think a baby. And, you know, my grandma's tending to the baby, and all of a sudden it's like, huh, Kim's being pretty quiet. So she walks in to the kitchen. My mom's sitting on this little stool in front of it with her arms folded. And she had rearranged the entire pantry to how she saw it fit. And then was just waiting for my grandmother to come in. And when she did, my mom, I guess, stood up, put her hands on her hips and says, there, that is how it should be. And my grandma's like, okay, the worst part of it was not that she rearranged it. It was that it actually did make more sense how she arranged it. Like, how does a little kid know where you should put things in a pantry? So that's kind of how she was as an adult, too? She just was... Oh, yeah. Yeah. I always like to laugh that she was this bossy, five-foot-four, you know, spitfire. But, yeah, she got it done. This is the Who Died Podcast, and I'm Amy Craig. We talk about death, yes, but we also talk about life. How someone lived, what brought them joy, what they got away with as a teenager. She, I think, was the little wild child. But being that she was the oldest, I think she probably hid it better than her younger sisters. And the stories that I have heard didn't come out until way later. And, you know, it was kind of the typical Friday night, going out, partying, coming in after um, curfew, maybe throw a beer bottle or two away secretively uh, that my grandfather ended up finding about, you know, 10 years later when they sold the house. And, of course, tried to blame her sisters, and they were both like, "Uh, no, that was your oldest child who could do no wrong, that was the party animal. <laughs> so, you know, she uh, she had a good time, but um, so it's she funny. Was, like, she was hiding, hiding beer bottles? <laughs> Where did they find them? They found them in this, like, little treed area. And they're like, uh, so, yeah, you know, she'd just pitch them out of her car. Oh, these are biodegradable. Like, in business and stuff, she was so, so focused. Then I hear these little stories after the fact, and I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, what? She was a little wild child? What party animal? What are you doing? That's, that's interesting. When I knew Brandy's mom, Kim, she ran a restaurant in town. As a teenager, she just seemed very busy and important. The friends who worked for her loved her. 
Brandy and I never talked much until now about what she was like as a mom growing up. My Well, most of my childhood, early childhood, she was a single mom. Mm-hmm. So there's a couple different sort of first memories I have. And I think a lot of them are surrounding. I mean, she always had friends around. Mm-hmm. My mom had a really tight network. And um, as you know, was in the restaurant business most of the time as I was older. So she had somewhat different hours. But it seemed like we always had just this huge community of people around her. I can remember being a little kid and now thinking as an adult, you know, she was younger than I am now. I'd be thinking I was so cool. You stay up with them watching Living Color and they'd send me to bed at eight. <laughs> so I'd like tromp down the hall all mad. And I know they were out there giggling like, how did we become the adults here? Um, so there was a lot of that, you know, she traveled often when I was younger with her girlfriends and since she died, a lot of them have kind of come out and told all these crazy stories of them in Mexico and all the local young men chasing them with beer, trying to get their attention. (laughs) Yeah. So she, uh. I think they had a, a good time. And it's interesting that a lot of her friends, and really the tightest ones, um, were girls that, you know, she knew from junior high, high school on up. And they just stayed tight even till a year before she died. We're going on trips together and went to Tahoe. I hadn't realized that her mom had been a Tahoma high school grad like us. But there are lots of things you don't know about a person's life if you don't ask. Like, I don't think getting remarried was a huge priority to her. Like, it wasn't, um, at least it wasn't apparent. So I don't remember her really dating anybody else. I don't remember meeting anybody else or anything until she started dating John, who's my stepdad, and eventually marrying him. Like, I don't think it was something that she really had on her radar. And I must have been about... 11 when they got married and so that has been you know great because it wasn't it just being a mom and being hardworking and so that was the priority and you know when she found John then that was like okay this fits you're integrated into this too and it was just seamless she got it done as always as always, she probably was just like you're gonna marry me and that's what there is to it <laughs> she was very strict until gosh I was about I think 16 and then it was almost like okay you know I raised you to be an adult you're gonna make adult decisions now and there were only a few instances that I was in late or something like that otherwise it was most of the time <gasps> I don't know. You should be like, what? It's, a, you know, 11. We said you could stay out until midnight. I'm like, yeah, nothing going on. Just thought I'd come home. And it was almost like she's like, oh, it worked. Now, my mom wasn't a really touchy-feely, huggy, lovey, you know, oh, I believe in you. You can do it. Kind of the Hallmark movie channel mom. You know, she was great, but that just wasn't her. And I think it's because she 
knew, even if she didn't know that she eventually was going to get cancer or any of that, that she wasn't going to be around forever. You know, she wasn't just raising a kid or a child. She was raising a citizen. Brandy talked a lot about how Kim held herself as a professional. And she also talked a lot about just how kind and friendly and generous she was with the people she worked with. Work hard and uh, people hard would probably be her two mottos. Basically, anywhere she went, she made quick work of the folks that she's working with and spending the most time with kind of came her tribe and her family. And so she would do things like, okay, well, we're going to do an employee event. We're going to... rent a limo, we're going to go to Chicago fire soccer match for her employees, you know, so they were all over the top, loved her, best boss. Isn't it weird how, you know, there's almost like, and you were tight with your dad, so you Mm -hmm. can get this, there's stuff as you go through life that you're like, man, I just need to make a decision. I need someone to tell me what to do, even if I'm not going to do that. Mm-hmm. You know, even if I'm going to say you're dumb and not listen to you. <laughs> but, like, I just want to pick up the phone and rant about whatever the scenario is so she can be like, well, yeah, you should do X, Y, Z. So I can be like, oh, I'm not going to do that and then eventually do it. But there's just, like, <laughs> those <laughs> little things yeah. that's so weird about it. And you don't realize it until one of your parents dies. Yeah, totally. I mean, I I always think about how nobody, I always felt like my dad knew me better than anyone else. Yep. You know, yep. and there's no one, I mean, you can have great friends and partners right. and whatever, but nobody, nobody knows you since you were born, you know? Exactly. I mean, exactly. In the same way that your parents. Yeah. Yeah. Your parents watch you create your decision process. Mm-hmm. did you hear about her diagnosis? So that is an interesting sort of tale. They had moved to Chicago, uh, my mom and John, because my mom got a promotion. And it was maybe the next year. It was the next year that we were out there for Thanksgiving. And we got back on... I think Friday, or excuse me, got back on Sunday. So I'm going to work on Monday, and at that point I was you know, taking the ferry into Seattle, and I'm sitting on the ferry, and John calls. Oh, that's really weird. I just left there. What's, what are you calling about? And I said, what are you doing? He said, oh, I'm driving to the airport to pick up your grandmother. And I'm like, uh, no, she was just on a plane with me last night when we got back. And he's like, yeah, I'm going to pick her up now. She came, she's coming back. I could tell he was upset. And he said, yeah, your mom has cancer. And nobody was going to tell you, but if something happens, I don't want you to be mad at me. And it was at that time, you know, uh, she was diagnosed 3B, but it was cervical cancer. So generally I'll tell people, you know, she died of stubbornness and that's why you should always get pap smears you know make sure you're doing your annual checkups um because that's in her instance maybe something that you know could have could have been prevented so she hadn't planned to tell you yeah yeah i don't know what uh 
what her whole plan, if she had thought that one through at all. But I know that he said, nobody was going to tell you, but I wanted you to know. And then later it came out that that's why if something happened, he didn't want me to be mad at him. Wow. So what mm-hmm. was your next conversation with your mom like after that? Um, you know, it was normal. I gave her, you know, I'm very interested in kind of health and all these things. I'm like, what are you doing not telling me? And I think it's simply because she just didn't know, you know, how do you have that conversation? I think there's a lot of things in life and especially in parenting where there's no rule book and being as far away as she was, she'd only ever lived in Washington, you know, moved to Chicago at 40. You know, now what? Now what do we do? When do you think she knew she was going to die? Probably October. And she called and said, you know, I just got to come visit. She was kind of being funny, but kind of serious, I guess, or more serious than I thought she was. I don't know if we can get out there. She ended up, I guess, calling my boyfriend and saying, hey, you guys have to come out here. Brandy says she can't because of work. You got to convince her to come out here. Like, that's aggressive. (laughs) But I think it's because she knew the days were sort of numbered at that point and we had a great visit with them and then in that Christmas she ended up basically being in the hospital kind of all of a lot of December and then all through Christmas and a bit in January and then I went out again in January and at that point she was on hospice in a lot of pain so they were doing a lot to keep her comfortable I think I left about three days before she died. You know, there was talk about staying, and I, I, knowing my mom, she she wouldn't she hung on forever. You know, I think she knew I was there. She probably would have hung on longer. So when I left, I was like, "It's okay, you can go." You know, and she knew that that I was kind of going. And I think as private and as brave and all these things as she was throughout her life, that was, you know, one of the things that she needed me to not, to not be there or see that. She needed to know that you were out doing your thing and... Yep, that she prepared me and I was good. There were two memorial services for Kim, one in her new home of Chicago and one in her hometown in Maple Valley. When we had the one in Maple Valley, I am, it was packed. It, I'm willing to bet there were, you know, probably close to 300 people there. I don't know. There were a ton of people there. And it was an all-day affair. I mean, we ended up going from there to another friend's bar, and it was kind of the crew from... My mom's high school, you know, her all her tight friends, their spouses, some of their kids. And it was a full day of just celebrating, which is what she would have wanted. You know, she didn't want the church thing and the pastor. And she wanted to get up, tell funny stories, eat good food, have a great time, laugh a lot. 
And that's exactly what it was. Will you say her name, birthday, and death date for me? Kim Marie Unsterford Northam. Uh, birthday, November 18th, 1963. And died February 2nd, 2009. Groundhog Day. And also, so I grew up in a huge, huge, huge Seahawks family, right? We loved the Seahawks when the Seahawks were bad. My parents had season tickets in the kingdom. And then when they moved to Husky Stadium, huge Seahawks family. In 2013-14 season, I said, I guess it was 2014-15 season, I said, Hmm, the Super Bowl is February 2nd. Seahawks are going to win the Super Bowl. And I said this in August before the season even started. And lo and behold, that year is when the Seahawks won the Super Bowl on February 2nd. Yeah, they won on the anniversary of her death. It was unbelievable. You know, I don't really consider myself to be a huge believer and kind of outside stuff. and But, yeah, there's something to that. Yeah, at the very least, it feels good to you. Exactly. If you'd like to tell a friend about this podcast, I'd appreciate it. You can tell them that, of course, death can be sad, and grief can be super lonely, but there is also beauty and joy and connection in all of it. I feel like part of our goal with this podcast is we say yes to sadness, and yes to everything else that goes along with it. There's something about, I, I don't want to call it like the club, but like when you get it, like yeah. it sucks. It sucks that you get it. It sucks to go through that. But there's almost a, yeah, there's just an unspoken connection at that point. Well, I'm sorry that we're kill club members. But... I know, but that's okay. <laughs> I mean, you're good do. company. This was the Who Died Podcast. I'm Amy. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.